Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast. My name is Jeff Buck. I'm a motorsports writer for The Athletic. And each week, I ask the same 12 questions to a different race car driver. Up next is Kyle Busch, who was kind enough to do this interview, even though he was battling a sort of froggy throat, a hoarse voice during this, powered through it. We had a really fun conversation. So let's jump right in and take a listen. All right, everybody, I'm back with another 12 questions with Kyle Bush for probably the bazillionth time, Kyle. So thank you for being willing to do this once again. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, however many years you've been running it, I guess, so we're doing it again. Yep. All right, so the first one this year is you have to pick one chore or obligation to do every day for a year. But if you make it doing this every day for an entire year, you never have to do it again for the rest of your life. So what would you like to pick? Um, hmm. Good question. I would say doing the dishes. Um, I like to sit down and eat. And when I'm done eating, just throw the stuff in the sink and not have to clean up either. So, uh, doing the cleanup of, of having to do the dishes, that is something that I hate doing. Okay. Totally understandable. Uh, can you describe how you are as a passenger in a streetcar? Um, I'm okay. I mean, if I'm just along for the ride i'm along for the ride whatever doesn't really bother me i had car services and things like that that take you around ubers whatever that take you around sometimes you're like why are you guys going this way but they're kind of made to follow a certain route or whatever but um you know if i'm rarely do i ride i guess you know like i always drive with samantha and the kids um i Anytime I ever, I, there is, I do have a buddy of mine who gives us rides. Like if we go downtown to Charlotte to go drink or, you know, have dinner or something like that, where you're going to have a drink, he'll drive. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of DJ and, uh, play the music on the, on the radio or whatever. And then, um, I don't really give him too much of a hard time. Okay. It sounds like a chill passenger. I like that. Yeah. Uh, what is an app on your phone that you love using and think other people should know about? Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess one of the apps that I've used most recently a lot more is, uh, called my race pass. And it's basically just an app where, uh, I keep up with Brexton's racing. Like if I'm not there and he's racing somewhere, it gives you timing and scoring. It gives you driver stats. Um, you can click on racetracks. It'll give you the point standings. It'll give you the schedule of those racetracks and stuff. So like when I'm looking for places for us to go race and whatnot, um, that's a big app that I use in order to try to find tracks and stuff like that. The one part of it that I wish was a little bit better was I wish there was a way to, there probably is, but nobody's done it yet, is let's say there's a race on August 8th in Iowa, right? 
well, I want to register on the app that I'm going so then other people can see that I'm going or whatever. We can see whoever is already registered. So then it tells you if there's going to be a good car count or not, you know, so that's one of my biggest things that I wish people would really do is just kind of show us um, registration of, yeah, we're going to be there. And then we can see if there's two cars or 12 cars, because there was a race two weeks ago that Larson and another friend of ours went to, to run junior sprints. And last year there was only four guys there. It, well, this year they had 17, you know, so it was like, oh, wow, I wish I, wish I would have known that many were going, we would have went, you know, so. Right. And the, and the other, you don't want to show up and there's only like a couple of people and you're like, oh gosh, we came all the way here. Right. And this field sucks. Yeah. yeah. Especially since we're kind of like a traveling, like we'll travel with, with Brexton more than most others will travel with their kids. Um, but we like to go to different places and go racing. Hmm. That's, yeah, that's a great, great idea. Um, what do you do to make yourself feel better when you're having a crappy day in life or on the racetrack? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's all intertwined, Kyle. Yeah. Well, yes, it is. If you have a shitty day on the racetrack, you've had a shitty day. So, um, I don't know, I guess, you know, years ago when I, my younger days, I, I would take everything right on my shoulder and, you know, be upset about it right then and there and all that sort of stuff and not really think about tomorrow or there's other things in this world that are much worse than what we've got going on, you know? So, um, I guess I've kind of grown up a little bit and realized a little bit more about, um, life in general, but, um, it's, it's just, I don't know, I guess letting some things roll off a little bit easier, you know, but it's hard to kind of do that in, in other situations where you've got people working for you doing stuff, whatever, and they don't do stuff or they don't get it done on time or the time that you need it done by. And it's like, well, damn, you know, I want to let it roll off, but I can't because I needed it. So, um, yeah, it's a balancing act. It's definitely a, a hard one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you'll have to bear with me a little bit on this one. Uh, this is a dear Abby advice style question. I've asked readers to submit these questions and then I'm matching them randomly up to different drivers this year. So this, this is what this person says and they need advice. My daughter has never liked eggs. My mom knows this as it's been a thing for 14 years. Last week, my mom told us she was going to bring over a dinner that my daughter loves, but she showed up with a quiche. My daughter obviously did not eat it since it's an egg dish and she was not happy. My mom acted surprised and did not apologize. How do I address this with my mother? Um, I guess you just don't let her bring over dishes anymore if she's not going to be straight <laughs> up with you. Um, you know, that's you got to find something. I Samantha never ate eggs for forever for the first eight years of us being married. She never ate eggs. And then all of a sudden somebody told her basically she's eating cardboard for breakfast when she's eating cereal, you know? So um, they were like, you need to go to an egg diet and do this and do that and some other stuff. So she added an egg and she didn't really like it to begin with, but she's gotten to where now she just puts different things with the eggs in order to make them taste better. Right. Like whether it's ketchup for hot sauce or salsa or whatever. So um, adding in different things to try to disguise, I guess, is is how you address that. You tell your mom, hey, we need to disguise this in a different way so uh, my daughter will eat it. Okay, that's a really good idea. Okay, so it's not all on the mom. You, you know, it can be on the daughter too, just adjust her habits. Okay. No, it definitely like on the that. mom, but you got to, oh, okay. you, you uh, <clears throat> again, let it roll off your back, take it a little bit easy, 
and tell her, Hey, this, this is what we should do next time to make it better. Okay. I like that. All right. This is a, a sort of debate style question, although only you can debate it. Uh, so this is a personal ranking for you. So let's say you can only do one of the following things. Uh, so rank them in order of the import uh, of importance, win the Daytona 500, get two more cup titles, reach 85 cup series wins or win most popular driver. What's your, what's your order there? Okay. So four things. Yep. Uh, Daytona 500, two more cup titles, 85 cup wins or most popular driver. I think they're in order. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. They're in order. Wow. So that Daytona 500, is that important to you? I guess then. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I guess I, yeah. It's, it's a box that's not checked. Right. So I've won a yeah. championship. I've won two. I've won tons of races. I think I'm eighth or ninth on the all time win list, whatever it is. And so, you know, to me, winning the Daytona 500 is something that I haven't done really want to do. I did lead lap 200 this year. Uh, you did. So it was under yellow. So I will always carry that asterisk with me forever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say they're in order just based off of, I want to win a Daytona 500 and then, you know, winning two more championships. If you're winning championships, I believe the number will rise from 62, 63, whatever I'm at all the way up to 85. So, um, and then most popular driver to me is, <clears throat> It's great that the fans have a voice and the fans can vote for who they want, but um, I, I think it should be more metric based um, through our industry, whether it's, you know, social numbers as well as like um, how well your engagement rate is, all of that stuff. And then media impressions, social engagement impressions, all that stuff. Like that's how I feel like it should be viewed. Mm, that's that, I've never thought about that. That's really interesting though. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So this is the next one's a wild card question. Um, when you go from one kid to two kids, a lot of people keep telling you, Oh, it's going to be so much harder, all this stuff. So now you're a year into it. What is your actual take on how hard it is from one to go to two? It's harder. Um, but right now the worst part is uh, Lennox is teething a lot. So she's got a lot of teeth coming in. And so she, her mouth is always in pain. So she's always moaning or groaning or screaming. She's actually been nicknamed the pterodactyl. Uh, <laughs> that's what she sounds like sometimes, but, um, the, it, it, it's hard on Brexton because you're giving her so much attention to try to make her feel good. Brexton's always around. He's in the circle. Even if we're in a motorhome in the tight spaces of a motorhome, he's got to do homework. So she's screaming while he's trying to do homework. So he can't focus. So there's, yeah, it, it, it becomes a lot and there's a lot going on that, um, you know, make it harder. Um, I wouldn't say, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it does make it harder too. traveling just with, you know, to when Brexton was, I don't know, four or five years old, you didn't need a, you still needed a car seat, but you really didn't need, so much stuff like the baby bag, right? You know, the formula, all that sort of stuff where now, you know, we're back into that phase again, where you have more bags that you have to carry onto the airplane in order to go somewhere. So, um, yeah, I mean, it makes it definitely makes it a little bit tougher, but we work through it. You make it, you make it work. Yeah. I keep asking people if it gets easier, but the answer is mixed. So I don't know. I don't know. I if would, it does I not, would but... think once they're both, you know, over the age of five, I, I, I think you're okay. That's yeah. just looking at Brexton when he was five and what all went down. Cause Brexton didn't have terrible twos. He had terrible threes. 
uh, it was three and a half to four and a half that he was miserable. <laughs> um, but he's been amazing since. And he's even a big helper to his little sister a lot where Lennox has been a little bit rough and she's only, you know, a year old, 1.2 months. Um, so she's, I mean, she'll get better with age. Yeah. Okay. Um, in your career, what is the deal that came closest to happening that ended up not working out? There's a couple of them actually. Um, one was the, uh, the chance to relationship, uh, back in 2003, I think it was, um, I was running an ASA and they were talking to me and they were talking to Truex at the time and they were going to give us a split ride chance to was going to be half Truex, half Kyle, kind of like a gong show type deal. And then, um, found out that Brian Vickers was moving up and that there was going to be a full-time availability ride for Xfinity Bush series back then. And so I took that opportunity which opened the door for Martin to get his full-time opportunity in the DEI chance Two car. And we raced against each other for the championship. He ended up winning it. Um, but that was, that was one. Um, and then the next one was when I was leaving Hendrick and doing my shop tours of where to go. Um, it was a tie between Everham and Gibbs of me going hmm. over to Everham's. And so when Everham told me that he was talking to an investor and blah, blah, blah about selling some of the team, that was the turnoff that I was like, oh, okay, so you're not going to be here long term. You're already looking to sell. So that that doesn't sound like that's not a warm and fuzzy, you know, so um, that Everham deal was really close until I heard about that sort of around the 10th hour. Wow, that 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 worked out. That was a good decision. To- yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. Jeez. Wow. Okay. Wow. I didn't know either of that. That's, that's really interesting. Um, who is a person you would be starstruck by when meeting them? Um, I don't know. I think like I've met Peyton Manning before I've seen Tom Brady from a distance before, but like didn't go up to him and introduce myself or talk to him or anything like that. But we kind of like saw each other in a moment. I wouldn't say we locked eyes, but um and kind of gave like the bro yo you know what i mean so um i i think it's something like that everybody like i don't know it's just weird to go up to other professional athletes in my opinion to just sort of say hey i'm a fan like this is great you're great blah 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 whatever but it actually goes really well a lot of times like alvin Kamara, for instance who comes around the nascar stuff he's amazing great personality really cool dude um you know, and you can talk to him about football stuff. He wants to talk to you about racing stuff. So he shares an interest in your passion too, which is, which is really cool. So um, sometimes those other guys do, they kind of want to know the ins and the outs of what your sport is compared to theirs. Um, And other times they're just, you know, kind of like, I really don't care who you are or, you know, you're not in my (laughs) circle. So just go on your merry way, find somebody else to bother. Wow. Interesting. Okay. Um, what is the single most important skill a race car driver can possess? Uh, I would say talent is the one that comes to my mind, but is that, is that a skill or is that, I guess what, what about the talent or what, what is the talent? I guess, you know what I mean? Like, is it going fat, like the ability to purely go fast or hand eye? Like what, what makes that? Yeah. I, I mean, hand-eye obviously is a part of it. You also throw your feet in there a little bit. Um, you know, feet 
the eye coordination when you get to a marker on the racetrack and you know you got to lift out of the gas and go to the brake or whatever for certain tracks um but feel to me i guess feel is probably the biggest thing like what can you feel through your butt through your hands and the steering wheel that tells you what the car is doing to help describe to your team everything that you need to tell them to make it better and get better you know obviously it's kind of been a little bit well touted that when we had practice i was way better and results i want a lot more because you're showing up to the racetrack giving feedback to the team to fix the car to make it better i know how to fix it i know what i need in a car i know how to drive it the way i want to drive it but when you don't have practice and you just show up based off of sim or a simulator you don't necessarily get exactly what i'm looking for because on the simulator there's not true feel you know like you have it moving around and you have actuators and you have all that stuff but i'm like man I don't believe that to be real, you know, so um, it's hard for me to give a lot of great feedback on sim sometimes. So I would say that that's probably the single biggest thing um, that you need to have to be a good race car driver. Okay. Interesting. Uh, two more here. What life lessons from a young age stick with you and affect your daily decisions as an adult? <clears throat> what life lessons? Mm-hmm. Um, okay um work ethic um hmm. i was when i was a kid <clears throat> just growing up in the garage working on my brother's race cars my dad's race cars stuff like that um it was always being accountable being in the garage knowing what you're working on knowing what you're working with the tools that you have you know we used to have air tools and sawzalls and um uh, a cutting saw for metal and all kinds of other stuff so like you would think through how to work on your cars and what tools that you would use and how to manufacture, how to fabricate something to the best of your ability with the tools that you had. Um, and so that was always real interesting to me, but also just that work ethic of putting all of that in and, you know, my dad instilling that in my brother and I, um, I just started at a way younger age and did it a lot longer uh, to, to just, know how to work on your own stuff and to me now like anytime you're successful it's because you're able to put effort and energy into that in order to make it successful and so um you know that's where i feel like there's a lot of life lessons missed between the younger generation and the older generation like just for instance um a lot of kids probably i don't know 25 and younger could give two shits about cars right just street mm -hmm. cars but when i was a 25 year old like i loved cars like i loved old hot rods i loved you know cool exotic cars all that sort of stuff and now i feel like kids in today's world are just like yeah i, I need a car to get from point a to point b i don't care what it is if i don't have a car i'll just uber you know what i mean but they don't care about like 69 camaros being cool or 78 chevelles being cool or whatever so i, I feel like that's a really long-winded story and a couple different topics, but that's, that's my belief. Okay. All right. Um, so each week I ask a driver to give me a question for the next interview. Uh, the last one was with Noah Gregson and he says, what is your favorite car ever raced and what track? <clears throat> um, I've always loved super late models. So I would go with a super late model. I've raced at a lot of cool tracks. Um, you know the the snowball derby is the biggest that's the biggest race of the year that 
you know, is most touted. Uh, I've run it four times. I've won it twice. Um, but I think my favorite track racing those cars on, which is just like kind of the scariest as well, too, is Winchester, uh, Winchester, mm. Indiana. Uh, it's a high, high bank like Bristol. Um, you run up towards the wall on the high sides. Um, it's really bumpy, really rough. The asphalt's super old now. So grip has gone down. You don't run as fast as we once did. Um, but that place, it, it'll take the breath out of you, you know, like you got to hold your breath to go around there the first couple of laps before you get used to it. And the, those cars, the super late models, they just move around so much, you know, cause the cars, you're not pinning them down straight to the racetrack because they have to float. You have to have compression because you land in the 30 degree banking or whatever it is, and they have to set. Um, and then you have a bunch of rear stagger to make it turn through the corner. So it's just, they're really, really fun and a lot challenging too. Okay. Wow. That's, that's really cool. That's one place I've never been that I've, it's on my bucket list to go to. I tell you what, the guys that are nuts like beyond crazy are the guys that run like silver crown cars around Winchester. Like, Oh God, I, they haul, but they go so fast. I, I don't know if they race them there anymore, but um, the other cars that are super fast that I've never driven are those um, super modifieds. I think they run them up North, uh, Northeast. And those things are crazy fast too. I think, Johnny Benson got hurt in one uh, years ago, but um, really crazy, crazy cars. Guys got to have a lot of, uh, <laughs> not a lot of brains, but a lot of balls. <laughs> I hear you. Um, so typically, uh, you know, typical me, I don't have the next one lined up. So you can either give um, a question, a general question, or when I know who it is, I'll get back to you for a specific one. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me who it is and then I'll figure something out. Okay. Well, thank you once again for doing this and continuing the tradition. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Absolutely, man. No problem. Yeah. Glad to talk to you. All right, everybody. There you have it. Kyle Bush clearly in a much better place uh, mentally than he was uh, last year at this time when he was searching for a ride and uh, clearly three wins so far. He's, he's pretty happy with how things have worked out. You could say so uh, great to talk to him as always. And still trying to nail down who exactly is going next. Um, not sure what order it is. So I, I don't have that question for you yet, but um, Kyle will have one when, uh, when I know. And hopefully it'll be somebody that you like to hear from once again on the 12 questions. Anyway, I appreciate you guys tuning into these every week, giving them a chance. Uh, if you do, if you're a regular listener or maybe a reader of them, um, of course, you can subscribe to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash 12 questions to see the latest deal, help support our work. And we would appreciate that either way. Thank you for listening as always. And I will talk to you next time on the 12 questions podcast.